Welcome to another episode of Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm your host, Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. <laughs> Hello. It's this guy again. <laughs> this guy. Every time I show up, here he is. Uh, you have been having a good week there, Derek? It's been, uh, it was a long week. It's uh, It was a trying week. Yeah, everybody's back in the routine of stuff now. Definitely the holidays are over and done with and yeah. uh, back to the routine and the I've, rigors of I've, day to day. I had the first week of January off. So now I've finally completed my first week of work and in my second week of work of the year, 2017 is going to be busy so far. <laughs> yeah, it really, and this time of year, you know, we've been talking about um, putting the canoes away and all that sort of stuff for the before Christmas and now you're in January and you get the, the snowstorms and well, except if you're in Toronto, you get rainstorms as well. All which, of my snow is oh, gone. Yeah. There's like no snow and um, you know, it's really cold and you're looking at dead grass, no ice on the <laughs> lake. And yeah. you're thinking like you could still be canoeing. Yeah. This for me is when, this is the start of cabin fever. When you, you see the open water. You get the impression you should be out there doing something. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you're on the, the internet cause you know, there's not too much to do. You're just cruising the internet, looking for ideas and stuff like that. And you're seeing all these people doing, especially down through the, the States. Yeah. You know, in the West coast and stuff and the, you know, we're down in Arizona and we're doing this and we're over in California paddling here and there, you know, all through that sort of thing. Yeah. And it was like, oh man, just some of the pictures they're showing and some of these guys down in South America doing the waterfalls, kayaking and stuff. And Well, you know, what's interesting is, uh, and I've seen it here in the GTA in the Toronto area and every winter it surprises me and then I say, oh yeah, people do that kind of thing. But you see people... Usually it's on the news. I, I don't don't spend a lot of time down by the lake, but people are out there surfing in their kayaks. Uh, there's people out there surfing mm-hmm. in the winter time. So whenever you get a nice winter storm blow in, you get people out there in dry suits surfing in uh, Lake Ontario. It's uh, it's first time I heard of it. First time I saw it, I was like, what are they doing? It's so cold. You get some big waves out there. Too. Yes, you do. Yeah, and and the winter storms is what uh, people are looking forward to in the winter to get out there and enjoy the water. You see people. Uh, what is it called? You're on a surfboard, but the, you got a kite. The kite, 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 surfing. kite surfing. Well, that's what I was going to say is like, that's like the ultimate because you do the kite surfing in the summer and then I see these people putting their skis on and using their kites. Oh yes. On the snow. Right. On the snow. Yeah. It's on the lakes, big open lakes and stuff like that. It's popular and in Quebec. It, yeah, it, it really is. There's a couple uh, um, groups in the Toronto area as well and that's what they do. And it's, it's definitely, but I mean expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. I looked into it and yeah, it's not, it's not cheap. Well, the kites are expensive. So yeah. people who are going to rent them are going to want their money back, right? In case somebody damages them or whatever. Oh yeah. Well, the, you know, and you start out with a, uh, beginner's kite mm-hmm. and they're not cheap. Yeah. They're about You know, and then when you get used to that, then you got to go spend, you know, a few thousand dollars on a, a better, more advanced kite. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh. I'll stick with canoeing, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but I mean, yeah, they, you see the people out there doing that. Um, now sitting there just looking at all these pictures and stuff, uh, on the net came across something weird, definitely odd, not something you, you, you see every day, something on the odd side. Um, people putting tents on canoes, kayaks, and rafts. Now, when, when you showed I, me this, I was yeah. like, I, I'd, I'd never even heard of it before. So when you showed me, it's like, what? You, like you, what you emailed me and says, here, Google this. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, I've slept on the bottom of a canoe once, um, you know, just throw my, my, uh, mattress down there on the bottom of the canoe. It wasn't a tippy canoe at all. So you just sleep out there under the stars and, and whatnot. And it was really, it was really, uh, Pretty cool to do that. Um, I can see if you're doing the old Huckleberry Finn raft mm-hmm. with a, you know, a shelter on it, cruising down the big Mississippi river. Now that would be fun. I'd like to try that. Yeah. I've always, ever since uh, Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer, all those books I read as a kid, I always thought that would be so fun. Build a raft, put a tent on the raft. And we used to flip, when I was out in Cold Lake, Alberta, there was one park that flooded and we used to flip the uh, picnic tables upside down. Uh-huh. Yeah, and try to float them. <laughs> 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 but 
But uh, yeah, I mean, I can see something like that. You're, you're putting um, a shelter on. But I started looking and I guess it's for people that are doing long trips down long waterways. Yeah, I wondered why you'd do something like well, this. Well, that, that's what I, I started looking into. And the few people that I saw doing on the canoes, um, they're looking at doing really long river trips where, yeah, there's spots where you're going to be able to pull up and you're going to be able to, to camp for the night. But you're also going to go through long stretches of wilderness where there is nowhere to pull over. Like you're not, yeah. you're not going to find a spot to, to hoist up on shore, throw your, your tent on, uh, on a spot and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Right. So or having the tent mountable on top of your canoe. You could save a lot of time, couldn't you? You really could. You don't have to break down camp. You don't have to set up camp. No, but I mean, and I think there's pros and cons to it. I mean, that being a pro that, yeah, everything's right there. Um, I think the two biggest obstacles would be cooking and sleeping, mm-hmm. right? But the cooking part would be easy to get over. You just throw a big board across from gunnel to gunnel. Yeah. And you got yourself a counter. Yep. You know, you put the, you put your stove um, on one part of it and you're getting your food ready, preparing it in the other spot. and I can see it working. Whatever, right? So you can do that. And then that just, you put that wherever, that, that board, when you're done, you pack everything away. The tent, however. Yeah. So I, I saw this one guy doing one. Now, he was doing it on an old Grumman uh, metal canoe. But he had put slats across um, the... Uh, from gunnel to gunnel. He'd covered the whole thing with canvas and everything. So he had storage space underneath, but he got like a cot style tent to put on top. And the big thing with that is then you're above the gunnels and that's going to cause problems where if you're rolling over, you but might be capsizing. Did he put right? the slats that high or did he? Lay he the... was right across the gunnels. Huh. So he was actually that's sleeping. A little, that's a little too high. Yeah. He was actually sleeping above the canoe. Not in the canoe. I would put the slats on the bottom of the canoe. So you got maybe an inch of airspace underneath. So if any water gets in, you don't get wet while you're yeah. in the canoe, right? But he, he put them on top, but he also built himself a couple of um, retractable uh, stabilizers, pods. Ponce, out, sponsons, pontoons, pontoons, outriggers. outriggers yeah, okay, now that them, makes right? sense. So that, yeah, so it was stable enough to, that it wasn't going to tip. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, it <laughs> looked pretty cool. And the fact that it was just like frame inside that you popped up in there, you got a solo tent and then pop it right back down the next day, it folds down and you're, uh, you're on your way. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there, there is ways to do it. I don't think that would be my, um, first choice of doing it, but it seemed to work for him. What I thought was interesting in some of the pictures is that these outriggers, these, uh, these Sponson outrigger things, like if people were building six foot square platforms to put their tent on. So you were sleeping on top of the outrigger reach bars. Yeah. It's now the ones I saw with the kayaks, um, they, I guess you can buy these outriggers for the kayaks and they were sit on top kayaks, mm-hmm. right? They weren't the, the, like the sea touring kayaks okay. that you sit in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're building these, 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 uh, contraptions where you got the pontoons out each side and there was little things to sit on, like basically big boards going from the same length. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is no way you can paddle <laughs> everywhere that where a paddle would go There'd be is now blocked. Yeah. And then, yeah, they were setting up the tent, same sort of deal where it was just a pop-up sort of thing. Yeah. And then you could put it back down. Um, but they all had sails on them. So realistically, that's not on mm-hmm. a kayak anymore. That's now become a sailboat, a pontoon yeah. sailboat yep. sort of, sort of thing. Right. Um, what I did see though, that I liked is one guy had a long cedar strip canoe and he put, for lack of a better term, um, frame on top from gunnel to gunnel, but it looked like dome. Going the entire, the entire length of yeah. the canoe, upside down ribs 
sort of thing. Okay, like right? a, like one of these uh, half round garages. He, exactly like one of those in people's yards. And that and then he had the canvas totally covering it. Yeah. Right. So that at night, you just cover that. Yeah. And you're in this little compartment. Yeah. You lay right on the bottom <laughs> of your canoe. And you're totally covered. The, the entire canoe's covered. Yeah. So and no water's getting no in. No water's and... getting in if it rains or anything like that. And huh. it looked like there was some air holes and stuff to, you know, let some circulation inside yeah. there. And that was pretty cool. Hmm. But it's for these people that were going on long trips that you didn't know if they'd be able to pull over anywhere and, and whatnot. And uh, they, yeah, it was, it was really neat to start looking into that sort of stuff. The kayaking, I don't think... Like I say, you're you're not really kayaking. They're they're saying, yeah, we're we're a kayak with our tents on it, but you're not kayaking at that point because there's no paddles. Yeah, you know, there's no paddling involved. It was all wind power. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> um, you know, I see. It's just one... like a catamaran, or yeah, a trimaran. There you is go. Is what yep. they're looking like, yeah. right? That uh, yeah, it was it was kind of weird. Do you know where I see a practical use for something like this? is uh, we, we talked, oh, had to be about six weeks ago, we talked about waterways and access in Ireland. Yep. Where you're not allowed to touch the land. That's exactly. You could anchor in the middle of the stream and continue on the next morning and the owners can't really say much because you, you never were, You were not on their although, property. That although was... you're not supposed to be above the water here either, are you? That's right. It's the air that it goes through. That's weird. Yeah. I still think that's weird. <laughs> you got to be underwater, but not touching the, the bed yeah. of the, of the river. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, that was just one of the weird things that I, I came across while I was, I was looking for stuff. Like I say, I mean, you've seen the raft. Every, every kid I think is at some point try to cobble some sort of raft together to float on the river or lake mm-hmm. or something and usually failing miserably. Uh, everybody's got hangups and I wonder how many of these people who do this are maybe scared of the animals camping. You know, if you're out in the water, the bears aren't going to eat the big soft taco in the sleeping bag, right? Yeah. <laughs> A human taco. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, to me, just seeing some of the pictures, it's kind of neat. It kinda, is neat. kind of a neat idea. Kind of makes me want to try it out. You know, you're, everything's in that canoe and you're not having to haul everything out, set it all up all the time. If you can't do it in the canoe, you don't need it. What about portages? That might be a bit of a, yeah. a hassle, but. Just occurred to me. But if you're going along someplace that's just one it's massively just a big, long, long river. River or a lake or that something could be like interesting. that. Like if you were circumnavigating the Great Lakes. <laughs> yes, there right? you go. Yeah. You would never have to actually plant your foot on the ground. Well, except for getting resupplied. No, they can just throw it to you. Okay. <laughs> what, what, if, what about when nature calls? <laughs> Hang your butt over the side of the... <laughs> and hope you don't tip. <laughs> oh, no one's going you by need, at the time. You need some outriggers. It's a giant bidet. <laughs> <laughs> Someone just pooped in the pool. <laughs> so, yeah, as, as I saw that, I'm thinking, this is... This is uh, unusual, this but This is very unusual, but interesting, and... No, I mean, you, you you stop to think, you would have your sleeping pad, you would have the tarp to cover the canoe. Yeah. You might have the, the pontoons. Uh, you'd have your stove, your food, your clothes. You wouldn't need to bring the tent. You'd have a sleeping bag depending on the time of year. Yeah. You could even do the, instead of a tarp, if you knew it was going to be nice, just mosquito netting. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. that's, I, I didn't have a tarp or anything. I just had my sleeping bag and looked up at the stars. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful night out. We definitely wouldn't have done it if it was raining. Mm-hmm. But realistically, it, I, I wasn't bothered by a ton of bugs. Yeah. Right? So um, I don't know that there would be much, much of a savings of gear except for the tent. Yeah. If you were, if you, if you were doing just the bottom of the canoe route. Um. Because you'd still need to eat, you'd still need to cook, you'd still need to filter water, you'd still need to change your clothes once in a while. You definitely learn balance <laughs> doing everything yeah. on the water in a canoe. Exactly. Hope for a storm not to roll up on you. Yeah. Because at that point, you'd need the tent. Yes. You right? need to pull ashore. Or, or... at least a, a good tarp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the other things we've seen when it comes to canoes and tarps, and that is just 
flipping the canoe on its side on the shore. Yes. And the tarp over top, yeah. right? But other than that. You have to be okay with the bugs. Yeah. I think, you know what, I think it, the only drawback would be if there was inclement weather. Yep. To any of this. Um, and we're talking heavy inclement weather. Like if it's just some rainstorms and stuff like that, you've got a tarp over you, you're good to go, right? Yeah. I mean, it's going to go off the tarp. It's and, high winds where yeah. the wave action, because, you know, if you did were to anchor, you're just going to t- nose into the wind and you're going to be fine. But then if it gets really windy, it's going to, you're going to be, the bottom of the canoe is going to be slapping down and it's going to be noisy and rough. That's going to be a noisy night. And, and if you were to overturn in the middle of the night, that'd be a rude wake up call. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you when the, when the lights went out? Underwater. <laughs> yeah, that, that would definitely be a, a bad wake up call Yikes. there. <laughs> um, I, th- I think you'd be able to do this no problems if you, you just need to keep an eye on the weather mm-hmm. and know that, you know what, there's some weather coming in. I'm going to beach it tonight and camp on shore. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I mean, that's, uh, that sounds pretty... Uh, Pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I may have to come up with some designs and cover my canoe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll see about that. Yeah. Anyway, I just like I say, that's just something uh, pretty neat I saw that um, caught my eye and uh, well, thought I would look into. These are one of those exercises that like, I imagine a lot of people do during the winter. It's like you start daydreaming about being out there and looking at new ways to try something out. Like when I was looking at these pictures, I saw pictures of people camping on beaches and I just had this craving to go canoeing and camping again. It's like, I guess, uh, cabin fever is starting to set in for me. Yeah. It's that time of year, buddy. That's when it's starting. <laughs> uh, the one final thing I'd like to say about this is you wouldn't be able to do this if you were going tandem with somebody. This is definitely difficult. a solo canoe trip sort if of thing. If you... Well, if it was your spouse and neither of you were too big and you had at least an 18 foot canoe. And you were the size of an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it could work tandem, but I think this is more of a solo practice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? When I used to do my, I used to do my Thanksgiving birthday trip every year and it was a solo trip. Yeah. And all, then when everybody, everybody else decided to come, everybody had to bring their own canoe and go yeah. solo in their own canoes. Yeah. So realistically you could tie three or four canoes together. Raft up. And yeah. Ev- yeah. Raft up and everybody sleeps in their own canoe. It'd mm-hmm. be that much more stable. Yeah. That'd be a pretty cool idea. Just put a couple of bumpers between each canoe so they're not. Yeah. So there's not Rubbing much, on each yeah. other. Right. Yeah. And they like a couple phone pool noodles or something to, yeah. to keep them the, apart <laughs> a bit. And then you raft up and have four canoes floating around. That'd be neat. That'd be pretty awesome, eh? Until <laughs> somebody forgets that they're out in the middle of a lake. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Fred? I don't know. I heard a big splash at about two in the morning. <laughs> anyway, so let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, uh, it's winter time and there's lots of stuff to be done during the winter to hopefully take your mind off the lack of canoeing. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Now, being winter... We are, uh, of course, not paddling, <laughs> even though we're looking at the pictures on the net and saying, oh man, look at these things going on and can't wait till spring. And But uh, I've gotten a few books there I'm looking at during the winter and, you know, um, trying to pick up some some skills that way. But you got to keep yourself active. Yes. We've, we've talked about this before, keeping yourself active while in the middle of winter. Because when summer comes or spring comes and you get that canoe out. You don't want to be, you yeah. know, 
exactly and and uh, unfortunately like i i imagine a lot of people the same as me is i tend to uh, hibernate in the winter except yep. for some skiing and snowboarding but every spring my first trip out it's like my shoulders and my forearms it's less like oh i can i can only paddle so long and this is on the first trip it takes me a couple of days to get into it because it's just those muscles are just not used to it so it's I, every year I keep telling myself, I'm going to try and get more active. I'm going to try and, and do whatever so that I can handle that first trip is easier and whatever, but I never do. <laughs> well, you know what, you go to the gym and stuff like that, just to keep yourself active and, and all that sort of stuff. But there is, there's some fun stuff you can do as well. It's, you don't have to go too far to do it. Um, and one of them is cross country skiing through the woods. I mean, there's a lot of cross-country ski trails and stuff, and you can go downhill skiing in that. But if you're right into nature, because when it comes to downhill skiing, I mean, for me, as I've said before, you sit on the little T-bar, it takes you to the top of the hill, and you go hurtling down the hill, and you sit on the bar, you go to the top of the hill, and you go all the way bottom of the hill. It's just like repetitive. You're just seeing the hill. Yeah. It's not nature. You're keeping your your legs exercised, your abdominals exercised, but that's about it. There's no arm work or anything else. Yeah. And you're seeing this tons of people mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But if you're if you're into the nature and stuff, uh like I know Algonquin Park, they have the the ski trails. Yeah. And you're going through the forest and stuff like you have the chance to see you know, maybe you mm-hmm. see a moose or some deer or something like that or some little critters and hearing the birds going and it's nice. It's you're getting your arms going, your back yeah. muscles are going, your legs are going. You can stop somewhere along the way, have a little fire and cook up some lunch sort of deal. You're not at the uh, chalet eating a burger. You're selling it up to me. I, yeah. I'm now I'm... <laughs> <laughs> sign here, sign here, yeah. date there, initial there. All right. <laughs> yeah. And one of the other things is speaking of doing trails and cross-country skiing, like we've talked about this before, but what is it? Arrowhead or Arrowhead or Arrow... Arrowhead. Arrowhead Provincial Park. Yeah. So there's... Ice skating trails. There's several, about five or six kilometers, I think. They put, yeah, the ice skating trail in there where you put on your skates and you go skating. Because it's usually just walking trails during yeah. the, through the yeah. campground and or whatever. And it's a very flat area. There's yeah. The hills are very, not very steep. And yeah. you, and the way they've got it arranged, there's not too much uphill. You wouldn't realize that you're going uphill. Yeah. Really. Um, but what a fantastic, I've done that. And yeah. Actually, I think yeah, we, we talked did about it, we that. Did we did it a few did, years ago. Yeah. Uh, that's open again now. Um, so yeah, you take your skates up, you take the family, you put your skates on and you just skate around this, yeah. this, uh, thing. And now at night, because it was they the night it. one they only had for a few weeks, yeah. uh, on the weekends mm-hmm. and they put the big tiki torches yeah. along the trail. Yeah. So you're skating at night with the, the fire tiki yeah. torches lighting everything. Yeah. You know, and that was really it's, cool. It's pretty cool. It it's really, really, really is. Which really it's, is uh, cool. what, it's near Halliburton. It's just west of Algonquin no, it's Park. it's just... Just, yeah, just north of Huntsville. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant, yeah. Huntsville. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not Halliburton. Halliburton's <laughs> the other way. We'll get to Halliburton. We'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, so, yeah, you know, and you're in the middle of the woods and that sort of stuff, and that gets back to, you know, the nature thing and yeah. whatnot, right? Which is cool. Uh, the other thing you could be doing is hiking trails. Yes. You know, if you're not into the skiing and all that sort of stuff, there's enough hiking trails out there that get enough use that you're not needing exactly. all the extra... You're not needing snowshoes no, or, there's or enough anything traffic like and, that. And most, not, I don't know about most, but I know there's Centennial Ridges Trail in Algonquin Park. There's a few mm-hmm. trails that are routinely used so that they're, you can easily go on them without snowshoes. They're beaten down and uh, it, there's enough traffic. Like Yeah, you can, you can get in there, uh, the bog, the Spruce Boardwalk yep. Trail, that, that one gets used quite a bit. A lot of birders go through there and see the some of the birds in the, in yes. the winter. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's all those hiking trails. There. But I mean, you don't even have to go up to Algonquin to, that quite as far uh, to see all, all of that sort of stuff. But you get out there and you're into the hiking trails. And again, we did Bat Lake Trail up in Algonquin. And at one point, there's a spot we stopped and built a little fire and we roasted some um, hot dogs and whatnot oh, cool. and had our lunch. And well, then we continued neat. on our way sort of thing, right? Yeah. It's definitely a different experience. Um and you're not stuck in the house. Yes. You're getting everybody out. You get the whole family out there. Grab grab some friends and their families as well. And everybody goes along the, for the day and mm-hmm. gets out and has a blast. It, it's totally different than what everybody else would be doing hanging around at the mall or something. Yeah. Now, I'd mentioned before about 
the books I got at Christmas, one of them being the orientation, uh, orienteering book, starting to do all that. Get out snowshoeing. You mm-hmm. can take your map and your compass. Yeah. And you go out and you say, you know what? I'm going from here and I'm going from there. And you can do it with the map and compass. And it's a decent right? workout. It really is. It, it, it's cardio. It gets all the muscles going. Your All your core muscles. It's really good workout. You can get off the beaten track. You're not having to worry about you staying on. You don't follow trail, yeah. Nope. You can make your own trail. And it, I mean, we did that at the uh, Mew Lake Airfield. Yep. Right? And cross there. Um, we've crossed lakes. Now, if you're, one thing I will say, if you're crossing a river or lakes and bodies of water. You have to be careful. Be careful. Uh, you get those spikes you can hang around your neck that if you do happen to go through, yep. you just grab them and they, you spike you it into. Claw yourself and, out of the water. Into the ice and claw yourself back up and drag yourself across the, the ice to where it's uh, safe. Yeah. Because one of the main concerns with any body of water, like doesn't matter how cold it gets. If you get a decent layer of snow, the snow insulates and, and the ice won't freeze. You won't get ice forming underneath or there's enough snow that it pushes the layer ice down and you get another foot of water on top of the ice. Well, so, we found that out. Yes. Uh, especially at the edges yep. of the lake. You know, you get all slushy yeah. and you your really... snowshoe gets yeah, sucked exactly. into that. And and... If it's a swampy area, there tends to be enough... Uh, action in in the mud that it keeps the water fairly warm and it doesn't freeze up properly. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you get out, get out there and grab yourself. I mean, you can rent snowshoes anywhere, you know, mm-hmm. um, get out there and take the family out there and it's, it's a good time. It's a nice day out. Everybody's having a good time. They're learning new skills, uh, off, like I say, off the beaten track. And yeah, again, you can stop anywhere you want. We went, uh, well, myself, Jeff McMurtry of Jeff's Maps and Mark Rubino of Mark in the Park. Mm-hmm. We went up to the Black Fox, Black Fox Portage. Okay. And we went snowshoeing in through there. Yeah. Um, sat down at one point to have a little lunch. We didn't build a fire or anything. We just all had sandwiches and jerky and stuff. And all of a sudden we heard wolves howling. Oh, cool. I mean, the hair on your neck just went yeah. straight up, right? But, uh... Yeah, we went out and we seen we could see, and they were following uh, the trail of moose. Huh. There was moose moving through, yeah, and the wolves were following them, which was kind of cool. Yeah, but, uh, they they just boogied. Um, but again, you know, we went to this one area that we've never been able to see, and uh, we made a day of it. Yeah, and then you get back to your vehicle at the end of the day, and drive home in the dark, and uh, you know, it's it's a lot of fun doing stuff like that. Back before. Me and my wife, back before we had kids, we uh, we hiked. It was a whole planned weekend. We hiked the Centennial Ridges Trail just off Highway 60 quarter in Algonquin. And uh, we brought camping gear. We pulled off. Because if you get an interior pass, as long as you don't camp, you're not allowed to camp on a campsite or on a trail or whatever. So we hiked halfway through the Centennial Ridges Trail, pulled off about 25 meters into the woods and set up our, uh, I have a three-season tent, and we cold-tented. Off just off of Centennial Ridges Trail. It was it was a great weekend. It was minus thirty three that night, but uh, <laughs> you know we were properly prepared for it. We had the right gear, we had the right clothes, we had the right uh, sleep bags. It was a fantastic weekend trip, and uh, we just tented off the uh, main trail. Well, that's the other adventure in in winter is if you're into the camping. I mean, yeah, you can't be paddling your canoe and camping, but you can yeah. still winter camp. Oh, exactly. And you're either going to hot tent it or you're going to cold tent it. Mm-hmm. I mean, hot tents when you get the the stove and, you know, the, the everything luxury. like that. Yeah, that's <laughs> a bit more of a luxury. <laughs> and you got to haul all that in on a on a sled and, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a different type of uh, camping, that's for sure. It's a lot, to, like you say, a luxury. And you can feed a few guys in these tents and you got the little heated stove, wood stove in there and mm-hmm. you get all your wood ready to go. And the only thing is who wakes up at three o'clock in the morning. To stoke the fire. It has to stoke the fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh, a bit. Me but. and my wife are determined we're going to get the kids out this year winter camping. Because I've got a, a, a 10 man army tent and mm-hmm. I've got, uh, I got three wood stoves now. Three. So. If I'm collecting wood stoves. Apparently, <laughs> just not using them. <laughs> no, uh, no, they're used. One of them was, uh, one of them was used actually camping, but the other two were just used in the backyard. But now, is yours a white or a green? It's green, unfortunately. Yeah. Because I've been winter camping with the green 
uh, tents, uh, big canvas tents. And yeah, they're nice and toasty and warm, but dark. It's dark, very you dark. You can't see anything in them. Yeah. And, you know, so you're, you've always got your headlamp on or, and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. It is my goal to get a decent white canvas winter tent, but it's one of the things me and my wife are going to save up for. Those oh, are kind of expensive. They're about a thousand bucks. Oh yeah. Easy. Yeah. Easy. I saw those uh, yurts that you can buy. Oh yeah? Full-sized yurts. And it's this uh, accordion-style frame that, okay. goes, or that ends up being in a giant circle. And then you put the the roof on and all. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's not something I you're toting in, that, yeah. eh? But it's up on a platform and everything. It's, and the, it's a wooden mesh, oh, like a baby gate yeah, that yeah, you yeah, pull yeah, out yeah. and it turns into a big yeah. circle. You roof it. Yeah. But, I mean, those take forever to, yeah. to set up. and That's where you have a still, chunk of property in yeah. the back 40. Uh, you set up your Or you go to, go to a campground and... Like yeah. New Lake in the winter yeah. in Algonquin. You're not going to do... set it up there, right? Yeah, you're going to be there several days to set that up. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the winter camping is is something totally different. And that's something you definitely... I think you're either going to really love it or just like, nah, that's not for me. Because uh, you, you're not really getting anywhere out of the cold and damp yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're either going to be baking in that tent... Yeah. Or it's going to be cold in that yeah. tent, or you're outside, right in in the snow doing your hiking or whatever activities oh, exactly, you're doing, yeah. right? Um, but you know you're cutting the wood all the time, and you're you're constantly. That's your big worry is getting that that stove keep it going once you're in there, especially at night. You don't know how cold it's going to get. Mm-hmm. I mean, they went. Was that last year? The group of them went, and uh, it went down to minus forty. Oh wow, really? Forty something was. I think that was. But last they had a wood year. stove. They had the wood stove, but they they were in the tent. They were there for I think three or four days. They were in that tent the entire time. It was too cold to get because out. it was just way too cold huh. to do anything. Like you're going out to do snowshoeing for the day, and yeah. it was just way too cold, huh. and it wasn't enjoyable. So yeah. you're either going to have a good time, or you're just going to absolutely hate it. One of the two, <laughs> right? So and. Hey, the old thing, what do you do when you got a poop in the bush? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to have your butt hanging out too long, right? Nope. So. And that's what, that's a, what we, I want to ask somebody who does, like, I think I mentioned this, yeah, they asked the guy who went across the Angava Peninsula and like, how do you in really cold weather go to the bathroom? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's. Well, I know there's some people that say, you know, they have a, a separate little, Outhouse igloo sort of thing. That they carry with them? Thing. Just a wind, well, a windbreak, right? You build a little windbreak thing that yes, you can sit, just to stop stand the behind, wind right? from, yeah, yeah, because, you know, in certain cold, they, they say that skin freezes in seconds in really cold yeah. weather and it's like, yikes. When I lived in Saskatchewan, they used to give the skin, skin freezing times. Oh yeah? When it got really cold, they said, yeah, don't have any bare skin for like more than a minute and a half or, wow. or whatever, because you'll start to, your skin will start to freeze. Right? Yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were cold back Yikes. then. Yikes. Um, <laughs> Just, you know I what? wanted to mention too, you talked about camping is uh, me and my wife, you know, Silent Lake. Yep. Yeah, I've been there. We went up there and uh, we built an igloo. We went there, we camped, we were in a tent the first night, built an igloo the next day, and then we slept in the igloo for two nights. Uh, there's been a couple of camping trips. Mike Burns, he does the Cedar Ship Canoes out of Windsor. Yeah. Um, they built uh, the igloo. He, he got one of those igloo makers or whatever. Does he? And, uh, yeah, they built the igloo and he slept in that the one night. Yeah. Uh, the other big thing is the Quincy's that you build. Yes. A giant pile of snow. those. Yeah. Well, that's, that's exactly it. It's, it's gotta be pretty packed down snow that you're scooping yeah. out because that's gotta be, you want that mm-hmm. to be nice and. I have, I have one of those molds that you make the igloos out of too. And, and I've done it in the backyard. We've gone up into Algonquin and, and built igloos up there. And, but it was fun at Silent Lake. We, uh, you, you can't warm an igloo up. That's, no. that's one of the things we, uh, we had it warm enough at one point where fog was forming in the upper part of the igloo. Oh yeah. We had to cool it off because we started getting dripped Drips. on. Yeah. So you have to maintain it cold. So that's... That would be me in the middle of the night though. I'm getting dripped on the forehead and I'm just going to be pissed off all night. <laughs> Not thinking like move. Yeah. No, I'm just going to sit there and get <laughs> drip. <laughs> water you know, torture. Yeah. Water torture. Cause I'm just too tired and stupid to move. Yeah. So 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know what? You, you're camping. You're doing the winter camping thing. You're out there doing all the winter hikes and the the fun yeah. and you know traveling on, on the lakes and through the woods and stuff like that. And then at the end of the day, you go back and you make a meal on the on the the stove. Yeah. You know, because the stove is hot enough that you boil water or cook whatever. Oh, absolutely, right? yeah. Um, yeah, and you 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 do some activities in the in the tent, play some cards with your buddies, chit chat, whatever, read. It's cold you know? enough that food doesn't spoil. Yeah. Oh yeah. The beer's <laughs> nice and cold. The beer's nice and cold. The milk doesn't sour. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so winter camping is one thing. Now, I posted a video on our Facebook page. Um, we came out of Fork Lake up in Algonquin a few years back and they were talking, oh yeah, didn't see anything, didn't see anything, no wildlife. Well, we decided we were going to stop. We loaded up the vehicles and we stopped at the visitor center and from the back viewing area of the visitor center, you could see where we came across Fork Lake. There was okay. a path. Yeah. Now you didn't see many animals because the snow was so deep that year. Mm-hmm. Like we took off our snowshoes and stepped off the trail oh. and we were up to our waist. Easy. I think I was on that trip with you. I was on one of those trips. No, yeah. Me. No, that wasn't, that wasn't that one. No? No. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so we got back and we were looking out there and we were sitting there and all of a sudden we saw, we were pointing out our trail and four wolves started following your, our trail. Your, your pack trail. That we, and they could do it this time because- there you was a nice it. pack down yeah. trail. So we had actually, actually made them a, a highway <laughs> across the lake and around the corners and yeah. stuff like that. And that's what they're doing. They, they were following to where mm-hmm. the camp was. Nice. Right. Um, but that allowed them some access. I mean, yeah, didn't really plan and that was not why we did it, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, it's just sort of a, a secondary thing there. Um, but yeah, if you go onto our, our webpage, uh, or sorry, our, uh, Facebook page, Paddling Adventures Radio Facebook page. There's actually the video there. Now, funny thing is, we were so excited to see these wolves while I was recording them. There were some choice words. <laughs> <laughs> choice words coming out. Yeah. And I really couldn't edit them out. So all I did was get an audio recording of some wolf howling and put it over top because, <laughs> yeah, not fit for work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there was a lot of holy yeah. bleep. <laughs> so, but yeah, go to our Facebook page and you'll see, you'll see that. And, uh, that was really cool to see four wolves, uh, following where we had just been not even in, like an hour before. Yeah. You know, uh, the last winter activity is dog sledding. Yes. If you're looking for something different and really cool to do, dog sledding. It's a lot of fun. It is. It's it's a bit expensive, but when you're looking at what you're getting. Oh, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's a place, the Halliburton Wolf Preserve. Um, if you go up there, they actually do the, the dog sleds there. They got half day tours and full day tours. I think it's like a hundred dollars a person based on two people yeah. for a half day tour. I mean, that's like four hours. And we're talking about our area in Halliburton, but... Anywhere you go, like dog sledding is very popular in North America. Oh, and definitely. They, they have the Iditarod in Alaska and, and it, it's, it's a very popular sport for wintertime. You, it's in, and it, you pick any province and uh, dog sledding is going to be popular. So just look around where you are and you're going to find some outfitter who has, uh, you know, a team of dogs or whatever. It's, it's the, a lot of people do this as a business or just to keep their dog sled and teams funded for doing their races. They, they do these tour things. Well, they've got like 150 dogs up there for dog sled purposes. In Halliburton? In Halliburton, yeah. Now, I'm not sure if it was Halliburton, but I remember a couple of years ago there was a spot and it was basically geared towards couples where it would be an evening thing. And you take your, the, the dog sleds out. So yep. basically one of you is driving the sled and the other sitting in the sled. Yeah. And they take you out through the woods, these trails, and you end up at this spot where there's this big fire. Okay. And you sit around and you have a hot cocoa and strawberries oh, that and chocolate sounds nice. and that sort of stuff. You know, you and your honey and yeah. 15 other <laughs> yeah. I don't know what, but, and then- after all that, you, you come on back and it's a nice, nice sort of thing. I, I'm not sure if they still do that or if it was even in Halliburton, but, uh, I remember a scene somewhere, but, 
But if you're stuck in the house and you're looking for something different to do, there's that, so much to do. There's so much to do that you know what? If you're if you're a paddler and you want to keep active over the winter, try some of these things out. It, it's definitely uh, something different. You're back in the nature, which is one of the purposes of getting out on the water in the first place. Absolutely. So try it out. So let's take a quick break here, and then we're going to come back and quickly talk about something that's not so cold related. <laughs> You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio, whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. Now, Derek, where are you going for winter break this year? I am not going anywhere. I never go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you are a sheltered, sheltered man. <laughs> now, a lot of people I know, the typical, we're going to Mexico, we're going to the Dominican, yeah. we're going to Jamaica, we're going to Disney World, whatever. Something you haven't thought about. If you're, I mean, all those places are, let's go, let's drink, let's sit on a beach sort of thing, right? Yeah. Check this out. North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama. Not and your typical winter getaway. No, it's not. And and for me, until we looked into this, I, I was completely ignorant of the fact that the, uh, I assume they had water there, but I didn't think that they <laughs> had waterways. <laughs> yeah, they've got water there, all right. <laughs> they, I mean, it's warm. Yeah. That time of year, right? I mean, we get our March break here with the kids, right? Yeah. But if you're into paddling and you're really getting into your cabin fever that time of year, I mean, you're full on cabin fever come March, right? End of April, beginning of March. These places are, the, the rivers that are there offer everything. And, I mean, and when you get to the Carolina, South, North and South Carolina, like you're right on the, the ocean as well, yeah. right? So just taking a peek at this. Tennessee, the Tennessee River, there's one section called the Blue, uh, the Blue River section, the Blue Way, the Blue the Way Blue section, Way. Yeah. Blue Way section. It's like an 80 kilometer section of the Tennessee River that you can just tour, hop in a canoe and paddle. Yeah. Right. Nice couple of day trip, you know, extend it sort of deal. Uh, 80 kilometers up, 80 kilometers back, that sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. But the Tennessee River, I mean, it's huge. It goes through Tennessee and down into Alabama. If you're in Savannah, Georgia, the border between Georgia and South Carolina is the Savannah River. Yes. And that goes all the way right up to Tennessee. Uh-huh. And I showed it to you. It almost looks like if, if you were to crack ice, the, it doesn't look like a normal river. It's just the way it's all formed. You got to see it on, on like Google Earth or something. to you, you can't really describe it. But the paddling opportunities. It's incredible. I was surprised. Incredible. Absolutely was surprised. incredible. And, and I, I just, I don't know. I, maybe it's... Uh, I Maybe I got to spread my wings, but uh, I was just ignorant on the fact that they had such a an amazing outdoor recreational paddling resource and locations down there. It's like, it, it blew my mind. It's like, it's so close to get to. It's mm-hmm. so diverse for the amount of, like they do whitewater and, and there's, their, their whitewater rivers are, are, well, they did the, uh, the 96 Atlanta. Well, the, the Olympics games. when they the, were in uh, Atlanta. So the water, it's the whitewater course. It was, it's one of the only, I think it's the only whitewater course on an actual river. It, it, normally they manufacture the complete mm-hmm. whitewater uh, uh, course. But they got the Okoe Whitewater Center that's there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then up in North Carolina, they've got the Nantahala Outdoor Center. And I mean, that it's huge whitewater kayakers are there. Yeah. So if you're into the whitewater kayaking, it's they got huge the there. rivers and you, you got to think the, the Smoky Mountains and everything are up through there. Yeah. Like through Tennessee and everything like that. Right. Yeah. Um, Blue Ridge Parkway. It's very, it's a high ridge that you drive along. It's very popular for motorcyclists. Yeah. Um, now when I was at the adventure show last year, 
I met up with some guys um, that were from the Alabama Scenic River Trail. And I thought, you know, there's some pretty cool stuff there, right? Yeah. But I mean, they I got this pamphlet from them and they're talking like uh, paddling and hiking to a waterfall on the Yellow Creek, whitewater rafting on the Chattahoochee, Terrapin Creek, uh, explore Alabama's Black Belt River, rumbling, tumbling waters of Wetumpka, and the Tennessee River uh, again, uh, the Tallapoosa River, uh, explore battlefields and boulder fields like on the Tallapoosa, like Bartram Canoe Trail. This isn't really somewhere you think of. No, it's it, as going. It blew I mean, my mind. when when I'm hearing half these like Tennessee and Alabama, I mean, you're thinking Forrest Gump or you're thinking country music, right? Yeah, you don't think of a diverse outdoor culture. And as as we're starting to look into all of this, it's amazing the canoeing and kayaking opportunities they've got yeah. down there. Um, yeah, touring, recreational. Whitewater, yeah. kayaks, canoes, the big South Fork rivers down there, the Pigeon River. I mean, those are well-known whitewater kayaking areas, right? Yeah. So, and when you start getting into the temperature range down there. Exactly. Like like uh, in Tennessee, you're t- talking a typical 35 to 40 degrees C. And, and so you you're still have like five hours to go before you get to uh, sub 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Right. So you're in a, a nice temperate range. Like you're... You, Typical wintertime temperatures, you're you're just above freezing, so it's mm-hmm. comfortable, it's cozy. You, you know, uh, I would, for me, I'm used to Celsius, so I would think of it as around 10 degrees C on a typical day, maybe higher, sometimes lower. So the temperatures aren't that low. No. It's like a nice no. spring or fall trip. Well, and you're thinking you're just above Florida when you start getting into Alabama and yeah. Georgia yeah. and whatnot, right? So you're not talking snow. You're not talking cold weather at all. You're talking beautiful weather. So, and it is, what, a 16-hour drive to Atlanta from Toronto? Yeah. So when you're sitting there, I mean, you got two people driving, you just drive straight. Exactly. If it's just you, you you do it over two days, or two days days there, two days back, whatever. Exactly. And you book your trips and you're camping, you know, so you're not paying these exorbitant rates for hotels and all that yeah. sort of stuff, right? You're you're going to be in the outdoors. You're going to be enjoying like camping, or whatever. There's so many parks. The it's it's just insane that I hadn't even considered any of this. Yeah, and it wasn't you know like I say, I was just looking along the lines of you know where to go, and I wish I could go canoeing and and su- such. And I started looking at stuff, and one thing led to another, and and I started looking out these things. And I remember talking to the guys from Alabama last year. And uh, I'm going to see hook up with them again this year um, at the show. And yeah, I, I, I when I started getting into it, I, I don't know that I'd be going. Uh, the only drawback, which I mean, you get when you go into these hotspots too, is the American dollar next yes. to the Canadian dollar. Unfortunately, the the rates of exchange are, are not favorable currently. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I think that's really the only drawback. Now, if you want, if you want to go with the family... There's all the rafting trips as well. The whitewater yeah. rafting. Like, oh, I mean, in Ottawa, we got yeah. uh, all the owl rafting and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, rafting in the Smokies on the Pigeon Forge River. High country adventures on the Okoe. Um, buffalo buds, canoes, kayak, and campground. <laughs> 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 you know, river, river rage tubing and kayak rentals. Uh yeah, it, it's unbelievable the amount of things I found that is offered in those lower states. Yep. You know, there's there's an awful lot of it. And I think it's definitely, yeah, yeah. If, if you're looking for something different than the regular, I mean, yeah, you, you go through that thing where you, everybody likes to go to Vegas or they like to go. Yeah. You know, yeah. they like to go to Mexico, Cancun or whatever. And they go to the Dominican. I mean, Dominican over the last couple of years has been huge. Yeah. But when I'm thinking of those places, everybody's going down there to drink and sit on a beach. Exactly. You know, do and, some swimming and And for me, them. when I think of anybody going down south or down into the States to go boating, you're thinking Grand Canyon, Colorado River. Florida. Florida. Florida coastal, for fishing, right? Yeah, coastal yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I, for some reason, I think of like farmland when I think of uh, central states and, and the big wide open areas. I, I never really thought about 
But you, I, I guess you, you have the, uh, the, what is it? The Adirondack mountain range, is it called? Well, there's the Smokies. The Smokies, yeah, the, yeah. that whole range. Yeah. And so of course it's going to be water. It's, it, you're going to have all these watersheds coming out of it. And yeah, and I mean the scenery is is different than what we get up, we get up here. Yeah, and you know, like, wow, I'm I'm considering a March break down there now. It's <laughs> it's really impressive. Like to you, it's a it's quick and easy drive to a nice camping area, and you can enjoy water and paddling. And it, it I think it's great. Well, and if you look on the if you go and just Google the the American uh, the U.S. map, and you see that l- bottom left hand corner of the map just above florida like there's a lot of stuff there and you just look at some of the big rivers that are going through yeah. you can't miss them they're <laughs> absolutely yeah. massive like i say the the savannah river out of out of uh, savannah georgia and the tennessee river yeah so i think that's definitely going to be a a check them out potential future uh maybe scheduling. we just leave everybody at home and you and i can go there we go all right so Anyway, so that uh, hopefully keeps your mind off the, the cold winter yeah. stuff and we get to stay a bit warmer and hopefully maybe that'll be something we can get rid of the Yeah, the, the, do some the paddling and visit fever. Graceland. Oh, oh yeah, get right on Graceland there, yeah, yeah. I'll take my wife and leave her there. So anyway, that's uh, about it for this week. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, check us out on Instagram. You can check us out at our new Facebook or our new website. Yes. Paddlingadventuresradio.com. Brand spanking new. Brand new online. Yep. Ready to go. And check, check us out. out on Facebook. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs>